3: <laughs> it would be a war spot, eh?
2: am no full, people might get winning here. Hello and welcome everybody to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, That's something far too good to move considering yesterday's result. Um, joining me today to talk about yesterday's drama-filled draw with Nottingham Forest, I've got Jafo.
3: Good evening.
2: I've got Adam. Evening all. And I've got Nate.
3: Good afternoon from America. <laughs> I was gonna
2: say, all the way from stateside. Oh, it's great to have you with us, uh, Nate. Um I was gonna say for listeners who are quite aware, can you kind of just give them a little bit of a backstory of how you came to support walls?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh after the or I guess is after the twenty eighteen World Cup, I decided to uh support a premier league team and follow, follow a club. And I started a podcast at the time it was called football neophytes, but that's obviously complicated for Americans. so I changed it to soccer neophyte later on, but I, I interviewed a uh, supporter from all 20 clubs at the time. uh, And Yam Yam Luke, as, as he was known, our very own Luke uh, was my interviewee. And it was right after the 4-3 uh, victory over Leicester, that amazing comeback victory in oh, the 2018-19 season. Mm-hmm. And uh, that those things, plus many of us, I was a big Nuno fan, love Raul, Adame, uh, all kind of the really superficial reasons to choose Wolves at, for being a neophyte uh, were the reason. So I chose Wolves 2018-19 season. And then got to even be out there in October to watch the first Forest match at home at Molyneux.
2: Amazing. Honestly, it genuinely it warms my heart when I hear that people outside of like Wolverhampton and the wider westminster area support Wolves. I find it fascinating and like, genuinely, I've been doing a fancast, what, for nine years now? Something like that. And I, I know that um, Todd's, um, I was going to say, Colorado Todd, who is no longer Colorado Todd, he's now Minnesota Todd, as his uh, YouTube name uh, states. Uh, you know, he's he's of a Wolves fan. We had Steve, uh, I was say, re- really bad because you know it's kind of developed because when um, you, I was going to say, Pricey, you, you've met Steve um, Koenig, haven't you? I have, yes. We, 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 we've wined and dined with him. He was known as just American Steve for a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just. just just blanketed. And then uh, the more, the more um, American Wolves fans we've met and um, engaged with online, it's becoming more and more like state-specific, uh, which you know I, I really enjoy. Um, but we were all talking about yesterday's game. And I'll be honest with you, I was glad we got the point because I was ready for a real rant cast. From about seventy-five minutes into that game, I was prepared. I was, and then we scored. And a part of me is a bit annoyed because I still need to have that rant, but I'm also so relieved we got the win. Because um, to be honest, I was a bit confused and a bit frustrated before kickoff. In honesty, when I saw the lineup, because I mean, Japho, what do you think Laptev was trying to do with a starting lineup? With I, I mean, like you. You know, we could talk about Totti playing left back um, to, to a degree, but without, um, you know, I don't think Bueno was fully fit. But four centre midfielders.
0: Yeah, it's strange. It's, it's one of those, he's tried it a few times where he's put, like, say, Nunes out on the wing and tried to adapt and, and box out teams. But it's one of the, when you have a player and they're coming back from injury, and if you're fit enough, and uh, it, it sounds like a, like a, you know, uh, a bit of a cliche in football. But if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to be on the pitch, right? Mm. And it just makes sense that Totti was was playing because Hugh o'bono has easily been probably is a, a contender for player of the season. It's safe to say that. Um, yeah. And you oh, he's know,
2: regulations since he's come in, I'll oh, definitely. Why wasn't he?
0: Why wasn't he starting? If he's fit enough to be on the bench, he's fit enough to be on the pitch. So, uh, and you saw the difference when he came on yesterday although he didn't probably have probably one of his better games, um, he, you know, you, you could see that he was more of a threat. And if it, it almost felt like Totty was there to do a job on Brennan Johnson, but he, he didn't really do it that job. He was um, made to look stupid a couple of times. But yeah, it, you, I couldn't see what Lopetegui was going for.
2: Yeah, I think when I... When I sort of saw the lineup, I was trying to work out if we're going for a diamond midfield, something kind of really, I was going to say, out of left field for us, but it, it didn't, it looked disjointed on paper. And I think it's all, I always find it worrying when you look at a starting lineup, and whether it's in like the Fancast group chat or if you're just on Twitter, and there's about four or five different people who are interpreting in different ways because it doesn't exactly scream a clear plan. I'm I think that, sure. um, I, I think that someone must have just
1: like told Apatagi mm. on the morning that this is what was April Fool's Day. And he just <laughs> he's just thought, oh, is this this what it is over here? This is what April Fool's Day is. I know what I'll do. I'll put that line up out. Because I didn't see it till like literally, probably about 15 minutes before kickoff. And I looked at that and I just thought, well, someone's having a laugh because there's just so many. There's so many questions about that lineup. I mean, yeah, you've. Got, I mean, I, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, anyone, but I, I, I ignore his absence. I, I don't know what the reason that was. I'm assuming he must be you know, potentially injured, but I haven't heard anything about that just yet. But um, Totti at left back is obviously was a bit of a surprise, but more so further up the pitch. Um, again, I, mean, I mentioned this in our group chat. What, why? why is he persisting with Martinho behind the striker? That was issue number one. Nunes seemingly pushed out to the left, which I, I, I rarely see him have an effective game from that position. And then um, Cunha on the pitch, brilliant. Cunha up front on his own, no, not, not so much. I, I don't see that's working. He He hasn't given me any impression yet that he's... The guy who's going to score the goals for us that we need to keep up, and I think look at that lineup. I think I looked at it earlier. I think there's about only about 16 goals in that lineup for all all the season so far. I think before the game, um, well, in fact, even less because Pedence obviously come on. He's he's our top scorer now. Neves has got five goals, Traoré two, and Cunha one. I'm probably missing someone um, or Dawson had one. There's no guy, go- <laughs> literally no goals in that team, which kind of explains why we are where we are. I think what we want joint second lowest scorers in the entire league. And for me, sorry, that I mean that lineup. We'll get in more into La as as the pod goes on, but that was just questions questions galore for me after that when I saw that lineup.
2: Yeah. Um completely, completely agree. And I think the game club moved very much on from there. The forest looked brighter, they looked sharper, they looked more inventive. Um and I was gonna say, I mean they, they, they obviously scored their goal and I well, I wouldn't quite say it was against run of play or anything I think balls were I was gonna say balls were creating. We're getting we're really good on the ball as you can imagine because you know ah you know we had four centre midfielders kind of crowded in the middle of the box in the middle of the pitch. Um but we weren't really creating anything particularly incisive weren't make him make any saves um but it 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 just didn't look cohesive at all in terms of how, how we're trying to get forward and it felt a lot of the time i know you mentioned about um adama in terms of what sort of sparked your uh i guess interest in walls but it did seem like for a period it was like let's just get the ball out to adama and he he might be able to do something for us
3: Yeah. I, this is uh, if you don't pay attention to basketball, this doesn't like really make sense. But if you understand basketball a little bit, the way wolves play are like a perimeter team where they're just passing the ball around the perimeter and just shooting threes the whole game. The problem is that we're a team that can't threes, but even, I don't remember when it was, but at some point in the match, we had the ball in the box with other players in the box. And then we just passed it back out and around. And it just feels like no one has the balls to like make a run and go for it. All the shots are from deep. It just, it, and we'll just control possession around the horn, you know, around the 18 yard box, pass it back around and no one's making runs. No one's, uh, yeah, it just feels like no one has the bollocks, as you guys say, to to just go for it. Make <laughs> a run, make something happen.
2: Yeah. Um, I think, I can't remember who quite coined the phrase, um, but I- I- exactly primitive team in basketball. We used the phrase, um, it's like digging a horseshoe into a pitch. It's just because mm-hmm. it goes. From one, it goops back, it gets around to the side. And we're really good at moving the ball to that degree, but we just don't we Don't know to move it at enough pace, there's not that extra person to really challenge and break the lines. Um, yeah, you know, it's bad when you've got people crying out for Dave Edwards, um, it, it, and his skill set. Um, but the thing that sort of struck me, and I, I, I found it quite interesting, um, just because there's been a love, I love a game of narrative, and of course, going into this, we had, um, you know, the league up still fresh in our memories, we had. Obviously the social media stuff from the first game. But it was a bit of a it was a bit of a tasty game, wasn't it? Like right. That first half, because Forrest would put there was a couple of big challenges on CUDA. And the Wolves players weren't exactly, you know, afraid to not put the boot into Gibbs White as well.
0: It was always going to be tasty. I mean the, the the aftermath from the League Cup game, you know, still there and and I think there was a there was a bit of taste still, and a lot of I don't know whether it, how it felt for the players and the fans, but uh, players and the management, sorry, but the, the for the fans, there's still a bit of a bitter taste there about the way that that went out, because mm. we we all know what happened at, during that game. We all know what Morgan did. We all know what what, what happened with, with, the, with this. Um, and it, apparently, he didn't do anything to incite the crowd, but. Yeah, I think that kind of like there was still a hangover of that, and still a lot of bad feeling. And I, I think what we keep talking about, Rich, and it's it's a it's a thing that keeps repeating itself. We talk about being an emotional team, mm. and we, and it's, it's it's that grudge thing that keeps holding on. We keep holding on to grudges about things instead of just letting our football do the talking. Because at the end of the day, we're very very good football inside. So we just said it. We're very good footballing side. So we move the ball well. We do this. But we can't get out of our own fucking heads when it comes to the game, uh, and we just let the game control us. And quite often, and we've seen it in in this season and last, probably less so before. But in the last couple of seasons, we've we've dropped ourselves down to teams levels. Like if we've played like Brighton in the past when they they had a certain game plan or Bournemouth and people like that, we've dropped ourselves down to their level. Um, and we've allowed the, the game to get to us um, instead of doing what probably better teams do, like Man City and, and and the like, where they they control the game themselves and they they set the tempo. But it's uh, it's one of those, like we say, that the the emotion is just it's it's ridiculous now. It's it's getting to the point where it's just becoming a parody of itself, and we're becoming a parody team, which is frustrating. I said
1: that think- before, didn't I? About um. In that yeah. group, that would become very like European, quote unquote, with this. Yeah. Because like, for every little decision, the whole team, there's a lot of players around the ref. Oh, half of their bench is is up for each decision. Lopetegui is giving it all this—the two fingers and the thumb—for every decision. It's something like you see on La Liga for m- most weeks for, for me, and that's coming a lot more since since Lopetegui's come in. Whether that's right or wrong or not, you know, you, you can you can argue that to the chaos come home, but we're not winning games at the moment, and the players, like you says, are getting overly emotional through each decision. Um, and unfortunately, of course, with a game like yesterday, as we've said, you know, there's there's a bit of bad blood there. We seem to have the rivalry has gone up a notch this season with Forest, if we if we ever really had one with them before this season. You know, certainly because of what players we sold to to Forest, i.e., Morgan Gibbs White. Um, it's kind of got ramped up a bit, so I think between the fans, the bench, players, it was always going to be a bit of a, a bit of a spicy meter ball yesterday.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think there was a couple of flash points in the first half, which, you know, a couple of say tasty challenges. Which, and to be fair, I, I tweeted it earlier, and I can't stand by it. I think the ref had a very good game and managed that occasion particularly well because I think going into it there was obviously a bit of heat and a bit of tension and he seemed to kind of let it flow when it needed to and then pulled it back when it needed to be reined in and I don't know like it's easy to criticise referees and I think one of the things we criticise them a lot of is you know not managing a game and letting a game slip away from them and it didn't ever feel like that, we, despite the fact there was yellow cards and, and, you know, a decent amount of them. There was contentious decisions, which we'll go on to in a second. Mm-hmm. But he he seemed to kind of do a good job, and, you know, I feel like if, if I come on here and slate um, the quality of officiating, I should probably praise it as well, to a degree, uh, through through gritted teeth. But I did think he should have given Wolves a penalty. Um, and <laughs> so uh, yeah that, that, that's my nice segue because it, it, I know that, that basically but that in between you know about a minute both teams had penalty decisions not go their way and yeah we'll, we'll talk about the, the balls one first and hopefully between us we won't all go all should have had a penalty and shouldn't but we'll talk about Adams first because I think there was enough in it for me I think if it was just a, um, he touched him on his shoulder, fair enough. If it's just been a tangle of legs, fair enough. The fact that there's both of those actions, I don't quite see how that's not a foul. I think if you do that, again, it's an old adage. I think if you do that on the halfway line, that's a free kick every day of the week. Nate, did you think it was a penalty? I mean, obviously, unless you have been doing a lot of traveling the last 15 hours, you got the advantage of replays. Um, but did you think it was a penalty for balls?
3: Um, it's hard because you'd want to say that every player is treated fairly, right? We know that's not true based on just the how it always works out. Mm. But we know that Adama, for him to get a even a, a regular foul, he has to get really hacked. And so I think if it's another player, like I, am I think it's not just the hand on the shoulder, he's pulling him back, right? Like it's, he, there's movement, which is actually rather impressive because I'm sure if any of the three of us or four of us tried to pull Adame's shoulder back, uh, <laughs> running at full speed, we're not going to move him, right? And so mm. I think that's part of what Adama, when he's running with the ball, He's getting hammered and he's, he's a brick roll. He's a brick wall. that's not moving much. And so I think if it's another player getting pulled that probably uh, physically and that hard, if he's going to react a lot more and it would be an obvious penalty, but he just doesn't get those right. When I saw it, I thought there's no way they're going to call this because Adama never gets those calls, even when they're tugging on his shirt, right? Like, uh, whether it was, was that last week or two weeks ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. It doesn't look like there's a, a lot in it. But again, it's it's a and it takes a lot for him to get a to get a foul. How
2: about you, Jafo? I think it was just...
0: <laughs> I think the best word to describe it is probably clumsy. I think Filippo was just clumsy mm-hmm. in the way he tried to defend it. Because nine times out of ten... Adama's not going to go down from that little touch on the shoulder, but the knee, the knee into the back of the legs and and into his lower back. Yeah, that's that's done enough for me. But it's it's frustrating um, because, like Nate says, uh, there's a disparity in decisions and there's a certain dichotomy that doesn't get followed when you talk about players. You know, if it was Zaha who did it or Grealish, then you'd probably get the pen. Because these players tend to get decisions, but people look at Adama and think, "Oh, he's a big, strong boy. You know, he's a big, muscly lad. He shouldn't be going down hey, You know, he should be holding him off, pushing him off." But those but, guys
3: sell it too, right? I mean, yeah, I think they it, sell it they one sell of more. So, I,
2: yeah.
3: I think that's one of the things I appreciate about Adama. Like, is he doesn't go down easily, and you re- you respect that in a player. Guys like Zaha, Grealish. They're, look, they're looking to go down, especially as they get close to the box. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's part of the challenge is how does the player play as well? I think, I think a guy like Holland is probably going to be similar as we'll see as his career continues. But he's a big boy, and he's going for goal, and he doesn't seem like a guy who's going down easy. And I bet, conspiracy theories aside, um, I think he maybe wouldn't get that penalty either. Yeah, I think
2: I think it's a really interesting. We had a we've had a YouTube comment big shout out to everyone who's watching this live, of course. Um, yeah, the defender pulled him back, but Adama dove forward. So too strong, poor sales drop. And I, I get it, and I think that's where Adama can be a little bit unsavvy and and not necessarily do what he needs to to buy a penalty, quote unquote, which I I don't massively like using that phrase personally but I, th- I can understand why the ref and VAR ended up not giving it even though I do think it was a penalty but I think in the catalogue of decisions that have not gone ball's way in the last four, three months it, it, it doesn't rank top five <laughs> um, to be fair and, yeah, definitely not that. you know when it comes down to the other end and uh, Breda Johnson um more since prime self and ebanks Blake um drops the nutmeg on Toti Gomez. I oh, was a bit anxious in real time. Um and then gives a gives a free kick for a dive. Um again good good decision or do you think it was a bit more of a I guess similar to the Adam one where not enough contact for a penalty. Um or do you think you just completely brought it pricey? I thought initially
1: I thought Toti was really running the risk there. I thought he was on the razor's edge a little bit because um, there was the initial contact where I think he had a fistful of shirt mm. had his arms round him and was kind of really impeding him. Then he kind of checked himself and thought, you know, took the hands away. And that's when I think in Brennan Johnson's head, he's thinking, go on, do it again. And I'm going to go down and, I mean, he didn't really put in much of a challenge, did he? Gomez, for, probably for that reason, to be honest. He, he, he put in like a half a half in, half out challenge. Johnson saw the foot clearly. And that's when he thought, like, well, that's my moment to go over. So the second half of that little duel there, it definitely was a dive. And the referee called it. But the first half of that duel, I honestly thought if, if Gomez carried on doing what he was doing, then they would have had a penalty because he was all over him. I haven't watched it back again since. I probably saw it back once, but I thought uh, i look at it a bit more closely if I want to watch it again. But I think he had the fistful of his shirt, arms around him. I thought if, if he's got to let go of him, otherwise he, he will go down, he will get a penalty because that'll no doubt go to VAR and they'll just look at it and say, well, yeah, there you go. He's, good. he's all over him. Give the pen. But he yeah, has, like I say, he did take his arms away. Then Brennan Johnson's just waiting for the tackle, which never really came. And he's just saw his foot, gone down. And I loved it when, like, again, there's about 10 players around the ref, everyone's screaming left, right and centre, and saw Brendan Johnson and Gibbs White especially, right in the face of the ref, screaming, screaming for a, for a pen. I was delighted when it went the other way, absolutely delighted. But, like I say, it was, it was a bit dicey there for a minute, without with Totti was all over him.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that struck me, and I guess because you've got a really nice comparison between the Adama and Johnson power decisions. And for me, there is no reason for Adama Traore to dive. And I don't think there's any insinuation that he did dive, but he is through on goal. He's goal side. There's no reason for him to go down the way he did. Whereas Johnson, considering, I guess, how he turned, it's not like he's kind of completely through on goal. And he has kind of run himself into... Well, back into traffic, into the main, into the main area of the pitch, and I, I, I think Beret, you're right, Pricey. I think if Gomez had done what he was doing a little bit more, we could have been in real trouble. And thankfully, he almost like realized, oh shit, I'm in the box here. And you know, as soon as like he got turned, he almost like disengaged himself um, to make sure that I'm not going to do anything stupid here and um, Johnson kind of expected the, expected the error, mm-hmm. um, which I guess sort of makes sense in a way because Johnson did score arguably from a bit of an error from Toti Gomez, um, who, as uh, you know, like I say, slightly before we go on to goal. Um, I didn't think Gomez played awfully as a left back but he did look like a centre half at left back. Do you think that's a a, a fair assessment, Javo?
0: I don't think so, yeah. <clears throat> but uh I think him and um I think Kilman against Leeds have put the two best crosses in from left back that we've seen uh, yeah. all season. <laughs> um which is rather concerning when you get the state of the fullbacks that we've got. But no, he did he did quite well in in a in a nod to prime Tony Pulis at Stoke playing centre-half at fullback. but <clears throat> It was. It's always difficult when you know when you've got somebody who's built the way a centre back is playing against you know a player like Brennan Johnson or you know if you any other sort of like fast, skillful winger. It's it's going to be difficult, but he, he handled himself quite well. You know he, barring a couple of silly mistakes, which no Wolves player can be uh, you know innocent of this season. You know, everyone's been guilty of, of, of having individual errors at any of any point this season. So I thought he did quite well. Um would I do it again? Probably not, but Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those. It was an an experiment that didn't quite work and it didn't quite fail.
2: Yes. I think I think that's a he, he very much looked like a stand in, and I think for times it did its job, but for for the goal, um he did seem to kind of just not quite get his body position right um, for Johnson to slip in, but also Saar ended up kind of finding himself um, in a bit of no man's land as well.
0: Yeah, so Saar found himself really low and he, he didn't really protect that, that near area, near frost area. He almost needs to be almost spike-esque and stay stay big and, and go for the, the, I don't know what you call it, like a star jump approach. Mm. And just try try and create as much body space, as masses everything. But it saw when he when he gets it, the ball comes over and he, he gets caught on the near pass. He always seems to look crumpled, like he's under pressure and going into
2: like a black hole or something. <laughs> That's near that. Yeah, yeah. Was like, he, he, can't, he he took a couple of steps from memory. He kind of took a couple of steps out and completely misjudged the trajectory of the ball before having to, you say, reshuffle, find his feet, and then get beaten under his yeah. legs. Not
1: doing nothing at all, didn't he, really? Because like, yeah. like he's coming over as if it's going to climb cross, realised, shit, I'm going to get absolutely nowhere near this. And he's backpedalling. And when he's backpedalling, he's ends up just doing nothing. Like I say, he's not, he's not spread. He's, he's not covering a low shot. And, uh, and Johnson's put it, probably the only place he can do, which is between his legs. But the reason, the only reason that's gone in is because Sasar's just completely just made the pig's ear of it. He just completely cocked it up. Completely misjudged it. He's not he's not making he's not set, he's not ready for any sort of shot, he's just backpedaling and then that's quick, swift one, two seconds that all this is happening. He's just he's just not ready for the shot coming in. It's just it's not for the first time that he's made a bit of an error this season, so and probably won't be the last. But um yeah, we, we, we can do without those, really, if we're honest. We can really do without those sort of errors.
2: Yeah, it it felt just a bit preventable, and we were already looking a bit disjointed. I know we hit the crossbar, Um, admittedly, it was a forest player who hit the crossbar. Um, but as I mentioned, it it, for first off just didn't sit quite right, it felt like there were too many square pegs in round holes. And you know, I, I was sort of very much expecting that, uh, you know. The standard Lopatagi half time substitutes. And we've had a couple of tweets regarding it. Um, you know, Matt, Matt Guy, when um, do we have a conversation about um, Lopatagi's inability to set up team correctly um, and having to rely on a rousing second half, you know, which is very much what happened. And, you know, another tweet we had was Is football management too easy for Julian Lopatagi? Is there not another way he can challenge himself without? Tom Bowler lineup, and it's right, we're not there's not that consistency you're expecting. It, you know, we were talking off air beforehand about um Chelsea and Leicester sacking their managers today and kind of questioning why. And it's kind of the same approach in a way, it's just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks at this point, like because we don't know what the best Wolves lineup is, you know. Back four's pretty much settled if people are fit, in terms of semedo Dawson, Kilman, Bueno. I think that that's his preferred back four. I reckon we we won't because there's other stuff I want to talk about. We could all probably name our next um, you know six players, and we'd come out with four different answers. And it sort of feels that you know has been in charge for. Uh, what would it have been five months now? Something like that, and we can't kind of really any closer to it. And it's a little bit, it's a bit worrying at this point. It's gone from being you know tactical tweaks to do you know what you're doing at the start of the football match?
3: He see, he feels like the anti Nuno, like Nuno, yeah. it like week in, week out, and you're just sitting there going, What is how, how can you continue? And he had a smaller squad, of course, but. He was rolling the same lineup, the same lineup every week. And now it's like, just try the same lineup twice or just pick one from that we won and played really well and try that one again and see if it works. But yeah, it's it's maddening. Um, it's maddening to feel, to see, to. it seems like he's getting less of an understanding of the team rather than more of an understanding of the team. And that's scary. I think like,
1: like you when you when you when you admit as he has done that he' got a lineup wrong that's okay we'll let that one go we all say we we all i think a lot of us all put our hands up and just say okay he's admitted he's made a mistake we move on but two or three times now he's clearly and said he's he made the wrong move with his with his starting lineup now that's reflecting really badly on him. No, you can't. You can't keep fielding the wrong first eleven consistently. And uh, one of the 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 tweets, the tweets that you brought up there, which use lot the terminology that I use, but the, you know, the, the Tom Bowler, but I used it in in our group chats about you know halftime, because I, I I'd, I'd love to go back and actually look at how how often this has happened now that he, you know as as he goes into the the dressing room at half time fires up the Tom bowler and then picks out two players who are gonna, who are gonna
2: come on at half time. Because we've I'll seen. need to hold ball. you there for two seconds, Adam. Nate, do you know what Tom bowler is?
3: Well, I had no clue what you were saying until Adam <laughs> just gave, gave me the. the. <laughs> Game of
2: okay, okay, charades
1: there doing that. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so like just spin the wheel, pick out two yeah. tickets, yep. two players, and then yep. there you go, boys, you're, you're on. It just seems to keep keep happening again and again. And and like if you're if you're a manager and you're having to frequently completely change the team by throwing on by taking two players, putting two players on at half time, it, it's not it's not to me, in my layman's knowledge of football, and let's remember this is not Wolves Expert cast, but you know, we we can all confidently say that if you're having to make double subs at half time, something's not right. You're not you're not getting it, are you? and it, i mean look is going to have credit on the back credit in the bank because look where we were when he took over to look where we are now you know we were dead and gone pretty much when bruno and the pe teachers were in charge now we are like we've got a at least a you know, fighting chance of it but most weeks he seems to be shooting himself in the foot with A, the line up and b just a, the constant rate of knots of, of subs yeah, this, yeah this, the subs are coming at a rate of knots all the time all at all the time players must be looking over their shoulder when it gets to like half time or certainly before the hour mark thinking okay there's it there's going to be another couple of
2: subs coming in a minute and
3: you know made,
2: uh, we've made four out of our five subs by the 65th minute yesterday i mean
1: that's I mean, we're back to chalk and cheese, aren't we? For Very binary from what it was before. We had Bruno, who literally was allergic to subs. And now we've got Lopetegui, who clearly gets a hard-on over subs because he's doing it all the time, constantly. He must get some sort of gratification out of it because he's making subs left, right
2: and centre. I was going to say, the thing The thing I find confusing or I don't quite know, so the half-time subs... Sarabia so and Podence come on for Lamina and Martino which is a kind of clear indicator that midfield system didn't and wasn't working because you know uh, I could have told you before kick off uh, those players will not it, it it won't work it just won't work because it's not bringing out the best of any of them and mm-hmm. I always kind of I think that's kind of my think, thinking with the lineup in general it's like who, who's this to? Who is this to maximise? Because it's not doing anything for a team as a whole. In my opinion, you build your team around your best players, and unless you can't say, right, this is the formation we play, you all just have to go with it. How do we get the best out of Ruben Neves? How do we get the best out of Mateus Nunes? You know, if, if we do that, and and and, uh, you know, slight side note. I don't think we can get a, a, a formation that gets the best out of both of them, but I don't know. It it, it screams to me, you know, you, you we've got our club record sign and playing like this weird hybrid left wing role, which you know just doesn't it, get him on the ball. If that's where you want him. You want you want to feed him the ball. And to be honest, I I think he had a pretty poor game. He gave the ball away a few times. There so sloppy passes. But, you know, it, it was frustrating. But then 65th minute comes along, another couple of subs. Hugo Breno comes on for Craig Dawson. Again, it's a strong indicator that Bueno's at least got a half an hour in the tank. And we, we were sorely missing that balance on the left-hand side and his ability to get forward. When Diego Costa comes on for Adama Traore, now Adama, again, he struggled. But he also didn't really have anyone in the middle to cross to. So you kind of taking off. Uh, you can argue that, in a way, Bruno's coming on for Dharma to have that um, ability to get the ball in the box. But again, but it 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 didn't ever feel kind of quite cohesive to get the best out of any any one individual.
0: I think it's I think it's tough. I think, like you said, I don't think there's a there's a way that we can get Neves Nunez. And Lamina, um, I think they're probably our three strongest midfielders to to work together at this moment in time. Yeah. I think <clears throat> Lamina coming in, is a great he's a great player because he's offered something different. But him coming in has sidelined what Ruben Neves does because I don't think Ruben Neves can work in a double pivot. I don't think he can work with another deep line midfielder next to him because of the way that he, he controls that area of the pitch and the way that he likes to move the ball and move with the ball up and pass the ball. So he finds himself occupied into like slightly higher area, and I just think he kind of loses a lot of his effectiveness. And we've seen him almost playing as the most furthest player forward in some games at home, where he's he's pressing the goalkeeper, which is what you would oh. expect like Raúl to do, and he's been playing or like um, Costa or Nuna, uh, Cunha, if they, you know whoever whoever gets pulled out of the proverbial tombola. Um, and the same with Nunes, Nunes doesn't seem to have his place. I think the more I see it, it's the more of Pogba at Man United. He doesn't yeah. have his, his place, he doesn't fit. But Nunes, you put Nunes with a cante, like what Pogba would do uh for France, you would get the you would be able to utilize him because you have somebody who can do the job of two people, and it just allows what is essentially a very good natural box-to-box midfielder, who with a lot of natural talent, very good on the ball, to express themselves and to be this mercurial midfielder who can do it all and and you know and have have the best of what is Matias Nunes to thrive. Because I mean, anyone can go and look on YouTube, right, and look at what he did at Sporting. You look at the goals he scored, the assists he made. Where is that player? Because that league isn't that far behind the Premier League. It's not mass, It's not a great league, but it's not that far behind. You know, Bruno Fernandes he was when he first came to Man United. He was still putting up numbers like he was doing at Sporting. Not quite at the same, but you could still see the player that was there. So why can't we utilize, you know, that that ability to bring the best out of Nunes? And that's the the key question because now he's had essentially three managers if you we include um the interim between uh Bruno and Julian uh, no one's been able to see how to utilize him effectively and it seems like a big failure at the moment and the problem is is now it will be one of those if he moves on in the summer Liverpool will get the best out of him you know if he went to Juventus or he went to he could get a in any club in the world he is actually that good i would put my neck and say he is that good he could go to juventus he could go to a bayern munich and he would thrive and the thing is he will go he will play with better players like pogba would, would do with the national team and play with kante who could do like i said the job of two players and he will thrive and then we will go oh why why can we use him properly and it will just be the diego jota thing all over again because we didn't know how to utilize the player and it is so fucking frustrating that a man who has led Spain, who has led Real Madrid, cannot fucking come up with a system to get the best out of a world-class midfielder. It yeah. f- does my head in every week.
2: Yeah. It, it, it,
1: Sorry, I, was just saying, I think I think we can all agree, right, that Mateus Nunes this season, right, you know, he's, he's, he's been below expectations. But also, I think surely when we look at it, we can all agree that he... Has also been completely mismanaged since 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 yeah. we had him. And uh, to you honest, I, I can't really put it much better than what, what Jaffa was just said. To be honest, because it, it, it's true. You know, you look, it, uh, you can all go back and look and what he did for Sporting, but you can see he had a defined place on the pitch for Sporting. He knew what he, the system was built with him in mind. He, he was clear in what he what he was doing in that team. Ever since he's been with Wolves. He's been with either a poor manager, he's in a poor system. The players clearly not set up to help him succeed. What we don't have is what, what, in fact, what we're crying out for in this team is what he was doing at sporting. Someone breaking from the midfield countless times watching the game yesterday. So ponderous in midfield. You know, uh, what, what Nate said with a with the perimeter analogy, that's exactly what we were doing. It's not it's not going forward, there's no positivity to how to how we were playing. Um and then you see whenever Forest got the ball by comparison, they're breaking, they're coming they're coming forward, that they, they've they're when they got the ball, their instincts to go and travel forward and making rows into spaces. We just we never did that. And that's something Nunes can can do if if it's set up to help him succeed. You know, he can break from midfield and push forward. Hence, you know, the the, the YouTube show But we're just not getting it from him. And I, I question whether, you know, we've all saw the rumours with, with Nunes that, you know, that we've already technically agreed to sell him on somewhere else, apparently. Um, he probably would love to go somewhere, you know, where you know in a, a better team than us where he will have better players. And we probably will see him shine in his next move as, as Jafo said. It's just just frustrating you know that we've we've had a, a a really really good player dropped into our team and we've just completely drew a blank on how to use him
2: yeah I mean it almost felt like even the even under large without sneeze which is perfect for you know a live broadcast um it, it's almost like we never kind of knew what to do with him and, and again it' it's, it's kind of just trigger warning stuff, isn't it? And you kind of hope that under, you know, good old Matt Hobbs that some of that overseeing the the squad management might change. But we'll see, we'll see. Like, That's that stuff further uh, down the road for the summer. Um, you mentioned Forrest briefly, Gibbs-White. Um, now, I've always been quite a big fan of Gibbs-White. There are a few things that I think hold him back. Um, it was nice to see though how desperate he was against to score against Wolves and not score against us because he honestly I reckon that there was one there was a couple of chances in the second half and to be fair I, you know I saw a, his highlight reel and he does what he is very good at he's very good at turning on the ball and, and opening up the pitch um, but there's two incidents that I I found fun one was him not. And getting a square ball when I think Dennis was one on one and him throwing an absolute strop yeah. um, for it. The second one was where he got the ball in the box and he then tried to beat three men instead of just squaring off where I think they probably would have scored. And I just think like at that point, like you're so desperate to get one over and probably do the celebration. You know, it, that that was quite heartwarming. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it was,
0: um, um,
1: it was. It was. I did think he was destined to do something at some point. He was taking pot shots as well as the game yeah, to a close. It really it, was, it yeah. just, it, you could just see he was just desperate. He was just thinking one of these would would, would go in. But um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'd, I probably would have just TV off, remote through the window if if if. Gibbs White with a score, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach looking at that face if he
0: scored. Oh so. no! It, I, it, I just it, had it, visions of Adebayor I did. When yeah, he, yeah. Run the full length of the pitch, just run down to the Wolves fans to stand in front of him and do that stupid fingers in the ears. Fucking stupid, Belen. Honestly, like as a person, he is like he's getting paid a stupid amount of money to play professional football. He's playing every week at a club, and where the fans like him, and he's not getting abused like he was at Malmo, and he acts like a fucking petulant child. What if just get a grip, Morgan? You fucking Belen. <laughs> <laughs> fucking for real.
3: Okay, Jeffo. That's
0: Jeff, it. No, we're no, stopping there.
3: <laughs> Question, Jeffo. Do you do you yeah. hate the... do you hate Everton more or Morgan Gibbs White more?
0: Uh Everton, probably, yeah. <laughs> it's just Everton, you like, I just don't touch the point in that football club. <laughs> really right. I mean,
1: um, at least Pedence did it as well when he scored. I know. Yes. I was gonna
2: say great segue for IC because we didn't lose, guys. It was a bit drab, but we did manage to get a goal and it was a bit scrappy. It was a bit it was a bit direct we got a bit of luck but it was calm and poise from pedantu again has just got this knack of um popping up when he needs it at the moment
3: it's almost like he can't he can't perform if he's got 60 minutes you know it seems like at the beginning of matches he can't get it going or he's doing his little back heels and kicking the ball all over the place but when he comes on for those moments, he, he finds a way to shine, and that was, that was definitely one of them.
2: <laughs> well, um, yeah, and again, you, Diego Costa involved in the goal as well. There's, there's a moment slightly before that as well where he managed to sort of open up the pitch by kind of turning a defender. and I mean, it was almost like time stood still. That might be more because of how slow he is on a football pitch these days
3: so slow. um
2: but yeah. again you know I, I just take it at this point um the other i guess the, the last incident of the game to really kind of talk about does involve Daniel Proence and the alleged spitting incident and i mean when i when I watched this and like... Because he'd been involved in something a couple of seconds before, where he was trying to move the Nottingham Forest player's leg, um, and it all again that sort of underlying tension throughout the game. It almost felt like it was spilling over. Um, then he basically looked like he'd spat at Brendan Johnson. It did get called to VAR, and you know you see the replays of it. and You're like. He's doing something that's uh, he's he's doing something there, and then for it not to get pulled back by VAR, I thought okay, that maybe it fits under that VAR category if it's not a clear and obvious error. But did you guys get the chance to um, see the Brennan Johnson post match interview regarding it because I found that bizarre?
1: Yeah, I'll put in the group chat. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it made Bren- Brennan Johnson made himself look like an absolute class clone with that, yeah, the village idiot. Because during the game, yeah, I mean, hands up. So when I when I saw it, I called it live. I put it in our group chat. I, th- I just said, I've, i swear, I've just saw Pedant spit there, and mm. I thought all day long he's off. Even when we went into VAR and it showed you it, he's gone. There's no way that he's staying on the pitch. Awful, you know, the lowest thing you can do on the football pitch. I'd as sooner as you just left or right hook someone in the face and spit on them. To be honest, but I mean, just imagine for one second, right? These VAR guys have had to spend like about two minutes zooming in and trying to find spit. That, that, that's what they've had to be doing. They've had to be like zooming in, trying to find gob on someone's face. That's 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 how. Low, their job has just currently got on that day. They've been having to look at spit, but I just thought even if they couldn't make it eight or not, I thought he's still going to go because it just seems like a daft thing to do unless he's whistling a tune or blowing something in his face. Yeah, but the interview afterwards, right? So obviously, at the time, brennan Johnson has gone like health leather. Oh, he spit, he spits spit in my face, spit in my face to the ref. Only then, right, when he clearly hasn't done anything. that like, we know, we know this now. He hasn't done anything. And When he's called out for it in the interview, he's coyly said, "Oh no, no, I, I don't want to speak about it now." Oh, oh right, okay. So you don't want to speak about it now because you didn't do it at the time, and you're just trying to get him sent off, right? That's exactly what you were trying to do. And he's obviously he's then I can't remember what he said after that, but he's basically being very coy about it, saying, it, um, it "Yeah."
2: And, and to be fair, f- fair play to the reporter because he pressed him on it. Yeah, he d- he did go for like the follow up. So are you saying? He's, can you say he spat, you spat in your face? And like, uh, you know, j- just for the benefit of any doubt, if Daniel Podence has spat on? Spat? Uh, you know, a, a, frankly, any Wolves players done it deserves a free match ban. Like th- th- the fact that Podence did what he did anyway—that you know that's stupid enough because it's just—it's a, it? it. a weird thing to do. Yeah. But if if he had kind of clearly done it and, you know, there's a plethora of players who have, you know, I, we'd be the first ones condoning him. But if that was somehow not given and he'd done it, I don't understand, like, you know, what kind of bizarre pseudo-media training to just kind of try and say nothing by saying a load of words that you can't just be sort of straight up and honest and just sort of say, yeah, he spat at me. That is what happened. I, d- I don't I don't kind of quite get it, but you know, I I, I believe the FA are potentially investigating it, but again, I, I don't kind of quite know where that kind of sits with sits with everything. Um, Do you know how um you know how Daniel Pedant on Instagram
1: likes to put like his match highlights on his Instagram page? <laughs> And you know how after the last game he put his overhead kick on when he banjoed into North Bank? Do you reckon yeah. he'll have him mid-whistle on, on, his, yeah. on his
2: Instagram page? I was let, let us know in the comments what you think Daniel Podence was doing in that moment. Um, you know, it's like, it, it was just bizarre.
3: Um, it, it, in it, does my opinion, speak, it does speak to the fragility, though, of, of the mindset of a lot of yeah. these players. Because I think even uh, going back to the comment about him trying to pull the leg of the, of the forest player. I I'm 90% sure the forest player, whoever was knocked down, he was, I think it was maybe Adama. I don't know. was off by then, whoever he was doing, he was helping him up and it looked menacing at first. And I think that's why potence grabbed his leg, but all he was doing is reaching his hand yeah. down the wolves player up. And it just, it's like wolves are just on edge, and i think our fan base is like that as well right we're just on edge that things are going against us and so that's the culture of where we're at as as a club <laughs> like the players are doing it on the pitch yeah. the fans are doing it as soon as something goes against us we're outraged and spitting at people or blow, whistling at them
2: <laughs> he, he, he he just didn't, he just didn't need to put himself in that situation it's like literally from the beginning what we you know yeah, I think because it was not even for a free kick, and the, I think it was Diego Costa who was on the ground. I don't, yeah, I don't quite know. Yeah, so, you know how how it's kind of ended up happening, but uh, with, with respect, uh, you know, I, I, I admire a teammate backing up another teammate. I, I really do. I find it, you know genuine like powerful brotherhood. I think Diego Costa can fight his own battles, to be honest, though. You know, you know, I don't think it needs the Daniel Podent's muscle if if he's if he's unsure about it. Oh, what's fucking Scrappy Doo's coming to my rescue? Yeah, He's like, like a fucking oh,
0: Chihuahua backing up a pit bull. What the
1: fuck, you doing, know, Daniel? If you're a Forest player, right, or any opposition player, you must think Daniel Podence must be a right? little will fucking oh, run. Oh, okay.
2: oh, he must be an awful opponent because he. He goes down easily. He flings his arms about. He he likes to give him a big one. He he, you know, he just has that little man syndrome. To be fair, um, and the son 5'8", five five eight. I I respect it. Um, but yeah, it, it was silly, and it kind of links back to a whole. You know, we've already got Ruben Nevis on a booking. He's out for the next two games. Johnny sent off a week before. Samados on nine bookings now as well, I believe. Yeah, um, right. You know, there's a catalogue of players at the moment and you just need you need your senior players to stay disciplined. And like they say, you just didn't need to get involved with any of that. And whether it will kind of come back to bite him in the ass in a couple of days' time or, you know, whether it's confirmed there was no saliva, um, we will see. But we live to fight another day. We've got the point. A lot needs to change um, going forward, but you know we, we'll see. Because I think it's been an interesting weekend in terms of results, um, in terms of how how things sit. We have dropped to uh, the thirteenth place. A lot of the teams, well, all, pardon me, all the teams underneath us have uh, games in hand on us, um, apart from Southampton, who are bottom. So. It, it's still very close down there. Um, goal difference again. I think r- realistically, with those games in hand, we might drop down to fifteenth, maybe sixteenth. But it it, it it's um... life would have been better, looking a lot better, if we'd have got a win at the weekend. It's the it's the easiest way of putting it. It's just those those two games
1: against um, Bournemouth and Leeds are just really. Just killed, they've killed us yeah. those two games. Um, we would, um, we would have liked, I mean, it, it's, it's an absolute nightmare scenario, those two games. I and mean, we would have probably at least not speaking the majority of the fan base, but ha, would have took four points from those two games. we come away with nothing, it's a travesty. Um, and, I mean, just look at that. I mean, 15 losses, I mean, that's. <laughs> it's, it's just not how we saw this season going, is it really? It's an absolute shocker. But then again, like I say, we were dead and buried before Lopetegui come in, so at least there is seven other teams as shit as we are, and it's gonna make one hell of a relegation battle, like the last nine, ten games of the season or so. Cause I think I think my initial predictions was Everton, Bournemouth and Southampton. And you can't, apart from probably Southampton, who increasingly looking dead and buried, it's literally up in the air between anyone, or even including up to Palace.
3: Mm-hmm. It could
1: be anyone, any, any two more of those. You, you can't call it at the minute because everyone's equally as bad as each other. I think I know next week. I think Forest play Leeds, which is huge. Um, but you know, we've got Manchester Chelsea to look forward to.
2: Jeez. Yeah, so I say, so, still, still, plenty of games to go. I think that's the thing. I kind of I struggle to see any of the teams around all putting proper run together. And you know, as like, there's a reason I cut the table off on the uh, graphic at twelve because 11th is just unsustainable at this point. So it's sort of like, well, you know, you're you looking at it, it's still, it's still far too kind of close to properly call. Cool. I think it's it's going to be who has the least worst form at this point for me, so you know, we are realistically you know, we're three wins away from safety, potentially, uh, with 37 points, that might see us clear, and where you plot those outs um, is anyone's guess, but I know it', it tricky times ahead still. Um, right. Got a little bit of a quiz for you guys. Now, as you know, I do sometimes do a level of prep work for a fan cast, but I also like to take the shortest and most productive means of doing it. So last weekend, while everyone was enjoying international duty, I was up in my mum's loft clearing some stuff out because it turns out as someone who owns their own house, I shouldn't be storing things in somebody else's property. Not my words. You can only guess who said that. Um, however, I, I found a couple of boxes of Football stuff in there, um, including some matchday programs. Oh, fantastic! I managed to find, and um, literally ju- just by look before recording, is a Wolves versus Nottingham Forest program with the very handsome Mickey Gray on the front cover. Uh, from mm. uh, it was did do, do, thirtieth do, of August two thousand eight. So I believe it's Game Room Five Five Nil, uh, where Kightly and Jarvis were fantastic. Now. My quiz, for you guys, is did, did they jiffo uh, Pricey? Were you big program readers? I was going to say back in the day, or fifteen years ago. I think I bought double. Double.
1: I, I think I bought yeah, them every definitely. week for like the first season or two. I was a season ticket holder, and then I realised this is an expensive hobby and stopped.
2: Yeah. Well, I was going to say. Uh, apparently, I've I've kept this one for reasons I don't quite know. However. There was a section, and I did remember this, called Molyneux Mastermind. And in there, you had two players um, in this episode, and I thought this was quite a nice one because it had Iwalu, Chris Williams and David Jones, who both played in Dave Edwards' charity match last weekend during the international break, um, which looked fantastic. You know, we happily, you know, um, promoted it on, on on the show and things like that, and I think we can class Dave Edwards as a friend of the FanCast as well. So it was nice to see that happen. But I saw this for stars of the line. So I've got 10, I've got ten general knowledge questions that were set to two professional footballers from 15 years ago. I've had a quick look through and I don't think a lot is like really dated, if you know what I mean, in terms of like the style of questions. So, let's see how you get on. Right. Um, and Firstly, guys, just so you're all aware, a short quiz is a good quiz. Um, so, Britain won 19 golds in the Beijing Olympics, but how many silver medals did our athletes capture nearest wins? So, we've got 19 gold, but how many silver?
0: 26,
3: I'll go with. Oof. I'll go with
1: Around 20, I'll
3: go with 14.
2: Nate is winning because the answer was 13. Nice, okay. And the follow up is um, how many British bronze medals um, made their way home? I think the Olympics had ended like a week before, judging by the uh, <laughs> so. how many bronze medals for Team GB.
1: We've probably got a few more of them, so I'll probably I'll stick with my actually previous answer before twenty. I'll
3: get twelve. I'll go fourteen.
2: So we've got what do you So we've got twelve. Is that pricey? I said twenty again. Twenty.
0: Dug on twelve. No, got
2: fourteen. Fourteen. Yep. I tell you what, it's a runaway. It was fifteen.
3: Four I mean, uh, My yeah, knowledge of, of Great British uh, it's, Olympic yeah. is <laughs> remarkable. It's, it's,
0: un- it's un- unprecedentedly good, you know.
3: It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's Tom Calvert esque.
2: Uh, in, in that transfer deadline day, <laughs> what we did after we recorded for two and a half hours, Tom dropped in for a quiz and just wiped the floor with us. Okay, it does get a little less um, 2008 Olympic. Um, Heavy, unfortunately, but which musical star is about to embark on a worldwide tour entitled "Sticky and Sweet"? That
0: sounds like Katy Perry
2: to
0: me. I was going to say Katy Perry. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even Gaga. Lady Gaga.
2: <laughs> you, you are close, but you are unfortunately incorrect. It was Madonna. Oh. I um, never want to hear sticky and sweet associate so with Madonna. <laughs> yeah. Not with the way she looks now, Jesus. It, in, interestingly, both Iwalu and Dave Jones got that. Um, mm, okay. okay. <laughs> so, make about what you will. Uh, um, okay. She's she's I hate Madonna. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's, it's gone very weird for her, is not it? Um, right then. Number four. What is the Christian name of Bob Geldof's daughter who recently shocked him by getting married? What's the name of Bob Geldof's daughter?
3: Peaches, yeah. Peaches. I don't even know who Bob Geldof is. So.
2: Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it back to. Uh, I said it's two one one because it was it is Peaches, yeah. Um, okay. Um, back to the Olympics. I, I think the um, the program right on time was, it, it was on a he uh, was on a theme. But uh, what was the nationality of the taekwondo fighter banned for life after attacking the referee in a bronze medal contest at last week's Olympics?
1: That sounds something like a hot-headed Brazilian would do. So I'm saying Brazil.
2: I don't know if you read. <laughs> sounds like a hot-headed Brazilian. Go Sweden. <laughs> Sweden isn't bad, despite.
0: I'm going to go just completely left. I'll go Thailand.
2: Okay.
3: I will go with Poland.
2: It was Cuban. It was Cuban. Mm. Yeah. Again, uh, um, unfortunately, you know, you Olympics, my just let you down here, guys. Okay. um, Last few. So, which city has been named the fake town capital of the UK?
3: Just like. Turn Just leading to
2: stereotypes. I'll be honest with you. Brighton. I'll say. Oh, I got a couple Liverpool. of Liverpool.
0: I was gonna say, it. yeah, Liverpool or Newcastle. I'll go Newcastle since you go Liverpool.
2: It was Liverpool.
3: Mm. Oh.
2: yeah. New okay. Football. Right. The, oh, oh, this is a good one. Oh, it's a classic. It, this is a classic football one um which ground have the largest attendance in last weekend's English football fixtures because uh, mm. it's relying on it's relying on who was playing away and stuff like that the ground
1: but well, then the grounds
2: yeah which, which ground have the largest attendance, the largest attendance. I don't know. Maybe... I'll, I'll, I'll
0: go Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah. I the easier way out, isn't it?
1: I reckon they were playing away that weekend. I'll go, I'll go in Newcastle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's like you can see Pricey kept his programmes at forty-seven thousand seven hundred and eleven. It was Saint James's Park, Newcastle.
0: He, it's a secret. Secret two thousand and eight. Uh, Fishing What a year! What a year that was. <laughs> it's
2: a great year.
0: Best <laughs> year <Aficionado laughs> for everything
2: Surely, nineteen eighty-seven. Okay, so um which two clubs were promoted to League Two from the Conference this year? Oh,
0: uh, Luton.
3: Picking
1: one's hard enough. Never mind two. <laughs> I was going to say this is an absolute swing.
3: I'm going to say Tranmere and Newport County.
0: I'll go Forest Green Rovers and Luton. And probably completely wrong with FGR.
1: I'll just say Crawley and Carlisle.
2: Unfortunately, it's Aldershot and Exeter City. Again, yeah. get down. <laughs> okay, la- la- uh, ooh, last two questions then. So. Which team was the only one in the English and Scotland leagues to hit six last weekend? Again, it is literally just picking any any club who might have like won six nil. Um what would it have been uh, around twenty third of August? Because Scotland was
1: part of the question, I'll say Celtic. I'll
0: just go to left field on the Scottish club and just go um on St Mirren. For no reason, so.
3: <laughs> I don't know any Scottish clubs, really, so I'll pick a random. I will say... Uh, I'll say Burnley. It was Bristol Rovers. damn Bristol.
2: God. <laughs> that was exactly what I said. Oh, no. yeah. Okay, last question before I put you out of your middle uh, misery. And he said Millsborough, which isn't the answer, fortunately. Um, oof, right. It was either it was either you arrived at Molineux for these guys, but where did Wolves finish in the Championship table last season? So where did Wolves finish in the oh seven oh eight league
1: table? That would be.
0: seventh a 12th in my head for some reason i'll say eighth
2: it was seventh i think it, this was the uh, promotion year to the championship and we just missed out on the twelfth uh, the the year before but uh the problem is now have i made a rod for my own back or great easy content you by just going into my garage uh, I, I
0: i think that's the easier day. content it's a bit it's a bit more light headed than dance not gonna, exactly. not gonna lie, yeah. I, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I need to find it. I've got next time me and Dan are on a show together, which I think is after Palace, I might have a special one prepared for him.
0: Yeah, give him hell
2: just for me. It, <laughs> it, it will be program related. I was gonna say, we will wrap up the show in a I did have a, a, a crazy idea where I was just gonna like pick a couple of random programs or like the forest one and just sort of be like, um, see if I can find a section in this. do, 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 do. Like you know, who was the mascot that day? You know, and just re- really make it as obscure as possible. Of like you know, who was the back page sponsor um, of, of of it and stuff like that. But I, I'll be nice. But I, I, if I can find the program, there's a great one in there that I might I might sort of test out. But we'll go um, from there until next time because we will be back the chelsea match um to preview it hopefully catch you up on any news hopefully it won't be potent being suspended but we will be of course about be with with nevers next game so we'll be talking all about how we think balls are going to line up um against Manjulus chelsea um big thanks to uh 90 min um for hosting us big um, make sure you check out uh Bulls fancast on twitter facebook instagram youtube A lot for all your balls, lols, and trolls. Um, Until next time, and I was going to say, give it a plug, Nate, um, for Soccer Neophytes.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, If you want to listen to four Americans who don't really know what they're talking about, uh, talk about this week in soccer, and try and convince one guy to actually enjoy uh, football, uh, (laughs) take a listen. We're Soccer Neophytes podcast.
2: I was going to say, uh, for a second, it was just going to sound like just change Americans to Englishmen, and you're pretty much there for a fan cast, to be honest. But I mean, to, uh, to let you in know on a secret, I think there's people in the fan cast, too, who, you know, don't really enjoy watching football a lot of the time. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, but he's medically normal, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gone, silly. I need to wrap this up, don't I? Um, Jeffaux, Great to see you. We'll see you next time. Yeah, as always. Catch
1: you next time. Bryce, <laughs> see you next time. Selection time Bowles at the ready. See you later.
2: Get the dial turning. <laughs> see you next time, boys. <laughs>